You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. morning. I'm Pastor Bob Cassidy, and uh, I want to especially say hello to those who are watching online today or this week, and also for those who are worshiping in the Outreach Center this morning. I want to talk with you this morning from Scripture and also from my heart. Um, My version of preaching goes something like this. I believe a preacher, he or she, needs to preach from the text to the people But before you go from the text to the people, the text, the scripture needs to come into your heart. And so um, what I'm sharing with you this morning is coming from scripture. It's coming from some very deep places in my spirit and in my heart. One of the greatest privileges of my life is to serve as pastor of this church. And I need to share with you this morning that I believe that I'm entering my final chapter with you as the lead pastor. I say that for uh, a few reasons. One is, is the advertisements that I keep getting in the mail (laughs) about uh, prepaid funeral plans, (laughs) assisted living, hearing aids, and depends. But I share this also in a way of of great excitement because I believe that in entering this final chapter with you, and I don't know how long this chapter is going to be, I just know by the year 2020, if not before, I'm I'm gonna be uh, checking out. (laughs) But before you start strumming that country western song, uh, thank God in Greyhound, He's gone. Uh, I want to share with you some of the ways that I believe that God is calling me to build culture. I've been there, brother. I'll pray for you. You're you're doing all right. (laughs) I want to share with you some of the things that God has laid on my heart about building the culture of the church. When St. Francis of Assisi was a young man, he stood in the ruins of a church building and he heard God's voice speak to him and God said, build my church. And he thought that God was meaning to build some uh, building or to repair the ruins of the building which he stood. And so he spent some time building physically churches until he came to understand that's, what, that's not what God was about. 
But God was calling him to build his church, the body of Christ that had fallen in disrepair and ill repute. He was calling the church to embrace the glory once again as being the bride of Christ. And St. Francis set out on a lifetime experience of building God's church. Now, I am no saint and I am not young, but I am telling you this morning that I'm living my life and I'm entering this final chapter with you as lead pastor with a full intention and a heart and a spirit of building God's church. I want you to know that I am nothing special, but I want you to know that you are special. And it's a special privilege and a sacred trust that I get to have to share with you the good news of Jesus. And I think it's special what God is doing in and through Schweitzer these days. And I'm hoping that you're just as vested and excited about this as I am. And as I lead, I lead with authority and with accountability. I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm given a lot of authority as lead pastor of this church. I'm also held accountable. And you need both. You've seen people that are leading with authority without accountability that can use, that can lead to the abuse of power. But sometimes a pastor can be held to accountability but not given the authority to lead and that can lead to the abuse of a pastor. So I hold those two things in tension. And so I'm held accountable. I'm held accountable to my church board and they evaluate me and they send the evaluation to my district superintendent, Lynn Dyke, and I'm glad that Lynn is here this morning. And I am under the authority and held accountable to Bishop Robert Farr. And I'm accountable to Susan Cassidy. <laughs> and to God. And that's pretty much the hierarchy of how it works. And so when the bishop and some elders laid hands on me and ordained me back in 77 and said, take thou authority to preach the word of God and to administer the sacraments of the church and to order the life of the church. I know where ultimately that authority comes from and I know to whom I am accountable. Now let's talk about the business of building up the culture of the church. And if you're able, I invite you to stand with me as I read with you this morning the text from Ephesians chapter four. And I just want you to know that if you ever want to know in my mind how the church ticks, or this is the foundational scripture that I've had with me for 40 years. If you want to know the psychic of Bob Cassidy and how he believed the church ought to operate, just look at this text that we're gonna look at together today. 
So now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You may be seated. So this morning I want to visit with you about four C's and you can follow along on the Schweitzer app if you'd like to do that. The four, the four C's of our culture, the first one being competency. And the scripture says that the leader's responsibilities, those who are leading the church, in the, in the case of the text, it's pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists, whoever's leading the church, whoever the leaders are, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do God's work. It's not the responsibility of the staff to do the work of God. It is the responsibility of those who lead paid and unpaid staff to equip and train the church to do the work of God. And so we are about the business of hiring and putting into place unpaid people who are competent, who are skilled at what they do. I think the church was afflicted by a statement that came out very popular 20 years ago that God doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Well, there's truth in that, but I think the better truth is that God equips people to do certain things and he calls you to use the way in which he has equipped you. So personally, in the authority that I've been given, I hire people that have skills. I hire people that are better than me. Aren't you glad? I want to hire people and put people in place that have strengths and abilities and gifts and talents that I don't have. And I am not about the business of delegating, but empowering. Delegating is telling someone what you want them to do and how you want them to do it. Empowering is unleashing the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God has given that person and say, let's go to it. And so we're about the business of competency. And yeah, we do hire people around here. We have, uh, we have a staff, a collage of people that is on our website. This printed version is right out there by Pastor Jason's book on Romans. If you want to pick up a printed copy of this. But I want you to know that 
I don't lead by barking down orders. I don't lead from the idea of top down. I lead more from the center out. And I empower different people to be all responsible for different things. So Pastor Jim Mason excels in pastoral care. If you're sick and in the hospital, you want Jim to visit you, not me. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's good. You got, a, you got a picture of Pastor Jim up there, just so people know who he is. <laughs> then Pastor Jason has a brilliant theological mind. And Jason is in charge of the daily operations of the church. He's a great strategist. He, along with Mary Decker, who we stole from the city, <laughs> operates the church on a daily basis. And they lead well. Pastor Jake is someone that connects exceptionally well, really with people of all generations, particularly with young adults. And the world is about just beginning to see how Jake is going to rock our world with his preaching ability. Now, speaking of preaching, what I'm doing in this player coach idea, in this last chapter of my time here with you is I'm building preaching teams. We have five worship services every Sunday morning here on campus. And two-thirds of the time I'm preaching. So I'm here some of the time at 940. Sometimes I'm not here. When I preach, I usually preach three times. But there's somebody else going to preach twice. And we're building a preaching team. Did you notice something about ministry? Not all pastors are preachers. And not all preachers are pastors. So we're building a team of people that have gifts and graces and particularly can engage and turn folks loose. So that when I leave, when I ride off into the sunset, <laughs> I don't want that to be a cataclysmic event. Don't you think the world has enough personality cults in politics and religion and sports and Hollywood? Jesus Christ is the star of this place. And so every one of us that's building a, a team of ministry around us, no matter whether it's preaching or something else you're excelling at, I'm asking you, to be someone that never leads in sense a way that you are indispensable. Because that does not honor God. And surround yourself with people that are gifted as you or better than you. Because God is calling us to competence. There's a second C I want to visit with you about this morning, and that's chemistry. There's a chemistry that we have here. There's laughter in this place. You hang around here on, uh, throughout the week or you engage with people around here, you're going to hear lots of laughter. To me, that's one of the, the measurements that, that God is, is in this place. But before you can have chemistry, before you can have this sense of unity, until we all come to such unity in the faith and knowledge of God's Son, that's the goal. So we'll be mature in the Lord until we can really have that sense of unity of spirit and love and maturity. 
you got to have a baseline of civility. And our culture is lacking civility. Recently at a Global Leadership Summit, I heard Bill Heibel cite this statistic that in 1995, 25% of the people thought we had a civility problem. In 2005, 50% of people thought we had a civility problem. In 2015, 95% of people in this country think we have a civility problem. Today, it's 99.9%. Just kidding. We've forgotten how to be respectful. We've forgotten that there's better ways of calling people out or demeaning people or belittling people, whether it's social media or anywhere else. God is calling us to be different. I love the fact that Mary Ann Wood, who is uh, a director of a department at Missouri State University, took those words of Bill Hybels. And we send 40-some people every year to the Global Leadership Summit because we are not just about building the culture of the church to be more civil, but we we want this to fan out. We want you, wherever you work, and especially if you're the leader of a business or a company, or you have, a, you have influence to do what Marianne Wood has done in taking this to the workplace. And she named six civility codes where we will greet and acknowledge each other. We will say please and thank you. We will treat each other with equality and respect. We will be direct, sensitive, and honest. We will respect each other's differences and each other's rights to believe differently. We will address incivility whenever it occurs. When I was growing up, my mother would say to me when I was acting up, Robert, act your age. Sometimes my twin brother and I, we'd be fighting and we'd say about the other one, he started it. And mom would say, well, you, you need to know I'm stopping it. When it comes to the age behavior of our culture today, How is our culture acting? And we believe that the church of Jesus Christ needs to lead the way in how we treat everyone with a deep sense of respect out of our reverence for Christ. And so we practice the practice of going directly to an individual when you've got a problem with them, when there's an issue. There's always going to be issues. This past year, I had two different staff members come to me on two different occasions and spoke to me in private about an error of my judgment or an error in my behavior. And out of those conversations, which we call crucial conversations, I said I was sorry. I corrected my behavior. And my respect for them has grown. There's sometimes when I'm the one who has to go to another individual and speak to them in private and respect about, did you know that when you did this or you said that, then I got a problem with that. 
And Jesus spoke to this very specifically, recorded in Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus says, if another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. But if you are not listened to, then take one or two others along with you. So this is getting to some serious stuff. So that every word may be confirmed by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If the member still refuses to listen to you, then, then take it to the church. That's, that's the behavior. That's the conduct. That's how we're called to lead and to love. A couple decades ago, I read a book entitled Jesus CEO. And so I am leading this church looking to Jesus as the ultimate CEO in the way that we do business together. I have learned that even more important than what the church accomplishes and does is who we are becoming. Are we becoming love? Are we becoming the people of God that reflects Jesus Christ? And I believe that when the church fully lives into its maturity, then people are going to flock and wanting to know what we know, and that is a personal knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ. A third C I want to visit with you about this morning is capacity. So we do Gallup poll, uh, the Gallup survey of uh, strength finders. We're doing that as a staff, and my number one strength is maximizer. I'm someone that I love to take someone's assets, their gifts, their talents, their abilities, and help them to get better at, at where they're strong. I love to take a good church or a good organization and make it superb. Andy Stanley in the summit recently asked a question, a challenge to pastors. He asked, you pastors, when was the last time that the church implemented someone's idea other than yours. I laughed inside because I can't remember the last time this church implemented an idea that was mine. <laughs> and I started thinking about, okay, come to discipleship groups, kids' music, uh, the food pantry, the, the, the garden, the coach house, faith and finance, jobs for life, the new prayer garden, on and on and on and on. I went through the whole serve brochure. I can't remember the last time this church implemented one of my ideas. <laughs> so this fall, I am creating a spiritual guides ministry. My idea. <laughs> my idea. <laughs> but, but you get the idea. This church isn't limited to me. I'm not a great idea person, honestly. I'm definitely not a programmer. But what I believe is happening is a culture where people can take their God-given ideas and the church can flourish. Now, the, here's the deal. 
You come up with an idea, you've got to come up with a plan. You've got to come up with people. You've got to come up with resources. You've got to come up and pulling that off. And we will support you if God's behind it. So the church is about a capacity where there are no walls and there is no ceiling. And God can do things that's unlimited. We're building a culture of the highest capacity, measuring to the full and complete standard of Christ. The final C I want to visit with you about this morning is the most, one, the most important one of all, and that's character. Because it doesn't matter how talented someone is or how gifted someone is. If you're not a person of character, your life will unravel. And you'll do a lot of collateral damage in the process. There's a leader covenant that you have been given this morning in your bulletin. I invite you to pull that out. Because I want you to know that this is a covenant that we have created at Schweitzer this year. And our staff created it. And our board looks at it. And every leader of the church is asked to follow it. And there's a statement in the second paragraph that really gives you the why. Why we're doing this. Well, this is the statement in Scripture first. That we'll speak the truth in love. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's the why. Now, in the document itself, there's a statement. That's not it, Christy. Well, that's not it either. <laughs> so I'll find it. And I'll read it. It's okay. Spiritually healthy leaders produce a spiritually healthy church. Likewise, leaders who fail to walk with Christ will have devastating consequences. And so we have come up with three general rules of the church, but we didn't come up with them. They've been in the Methodist church since the days of John Wesley. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. The original language was attend to the ordinances of God. But here's the principle, and here's what we ask of every leader in our church, paid, unpaid, anyone in the leadership position at Schweitzer, they have to sign off on this covenant. Do no harm in our conduct, in our words, in our behavior. Do no harm. Seek to do no harm to someone. And there's bullet points there on what that means. There could be other things that could be added. Do good. Do good to as many people as you can in all the ways that you can, as long as you possibly can. And stay in love with God. Be a person of prayer. Read the scriptures daily. Come and be a part of worship. Fast. Avail yourself, come to the table of Holy Communion and engage with other people in true accountability and Christian conversation. So that we might all mature 
and grow up into the maturity of Jesus Christ. That we might grow in love. So the culture we're building is a culture through chemistry, competence, capacity, and character. Heidi Baker is a charismatic preacher who is doing most of her ministry in Africa. I don't like her style. The way she preaches really grates on me. (laughs) I was actually listening to her because someone else was listening to her. But she said something recently that kind of rocked my world. When she said the problem with Western Christianity The problem with the church today, this is too big. This is too small. When it comes to too much thinking and intellectualizing and keeping things complicated and strategizing without God's direction, this oftentimes is too big. But when it comes to the power of God, when it comes to the love of God, so often this is too small. A trapeze coach was teaching a novice the art. And the coach was saying, the way you learn the way of trapeze is that you got to throw your heart out there. You got to throw your heart out there. And your body will follow. So church, I'm asking you to join me in throwing your heart out there. Because God in Jesus Christ has put his heart out there. He's held nothing back. He came in the incarnation, God in human flesh, in his teaching, in his actions, in his healing, in his miracles, In his crucifixion and resurrection, God has put his heart out there. And he expects his body, the church, to follow. So I want to invite you to put your heart out there. And just watch what God can do in this place through us at this time. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your presence, your Holy Spirit. God, we bow the knee. We bow the knee to the name that is above every name. who is the head of the church. We pledge and renew our allegiance to you. And we ask God that you would do a new work in our hearts and our spirits. We're gonna put our heart out there with your heart. And we're gonna follow you. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.